You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Five million people amidst a war zone are creating a new society based on principles that are dear to the hearts of many radicals in Australia. Welcome to ANUS, the Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria, formerly known as Rojava. This is a 10-part series of conversations with Haval Farat, Haval Tekashin and friends from a civil diplomacy centre in the city of Kwamizlo. These conversations provide an insight into how they are organising their society, how they are making decisions and how they are defending their zone from aggression from some of the most powerful military empires on the planet. We are confident you will find this series exceptionally interesting, but more importantly, it is the type of news we need today in order to ensure that here in Australia, we continue to act up to create that new society based on egalitarian principles in our heart. Uh, This is episode 10 in our 10-part series on the Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria. And once again, after a hiatus where Tekashin experiences the highs and lows of healthcare, we have Tekashin on us from a uh, an interesting little centre there. How are you? Really good today. Um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, I've been ill for the last three three weeks so i've gone through the healthcare system here well so you've had many of... people text us and phone us about you they've said we told them you were sick you're on your deathbed now we didn't exaggerate that badly but we did tell them you were sick and we were concerned and uh, it's good to know that you've got people here that care that are listening to the series yeah that's really nice i'm, I'm very happy with yeah that. now now Obviously, with that accent, you come from the old dart. And um, did you have any experience with the National Health Service in England, in NHS? Yeah. Um, so with uh, my family and other people, nothing too bad. But, um, yeah, so the, the experience with the NHS, obviously in, in England, there's the public and the private NHS, and you've got this kind of, conflict between the two uh, political fields of thought, which says, you know, the right wing want private healthcare and the left wing want to improve the public healthcare. Um, But the situation, it's very interesting culturally and physically what happens when you go through a healthcare system, because in, in England, everything has queues. I mean, even if you go to see the car mechanic, if you, you know, wherever you go, there's there's queues for things. You have to make appointments. Oh, the English um, are, English are famous for queuing. Yeah, we do it very well. Um, you don't you do know, it as you don't uh, do, you don't do it as good as the Japanese. They're experts. <laughs> I'll have to check up and take some tips. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, you, you make appointments for things. So you, you, there, are, there are long waiting queues for critically important machines. When you go into hospital, you have to wait, wait in the queue quite often. Um, here, the culture is entirely different. You know, um, there's no queues for anything. Where, wherever you go, you immediately walk in and start talking. And <clears throat> I was in a queue here for the first time because I went to get my car registered. And uh, people don't don't expect it. It's a really strange thing to wait for things here. And um, so with the NHS, obviously, you've got um, long queues for things now, even longer now in the, in the UK. 
and so you know and sometimes of course you're in a lot of pain and stuff and everyone's and there's so many nightmare stories from my friends of having to wait in these long queues and for appointments and they're, of course they're trying not to do work when they don't have to because the whole system is uh stressed economically and here i mean i was told that there was a covid um problem here and the hospitals were strained and i arrived at um the covid hospital because i thought i had covid i didn't hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on they got a specific covid hospital uh they just built four in Kamishlo, which has a population uh so i should just say yeah well uh, just tell us a little bit about the system you've only got a population of about two hundred thousand there haven't you 200,000, 300,000. One moment, because uh, Fairhat has arrived, and I'd right. like to introduce him again. And he knows the population figures better than me and the stuff like that, so I'd ask him that as well. Hello, Hevel Fairhat. How are you? Good. How are you? As you brush him, I am also good. And the the so close to three three hundred thousand people in the city of Kamishlo. Yeah. Could you could you could you thank could you thank Furhat for taking the time to come in this early in the morning? Yes. Um, so uh, I just want to ask him how many hospitals there are, because I'm aware that a lot of very new, um, very impressive ones have been built in the last year. So, COVID, no? Well, so we've got, um, obviously, the city is split into regime areas. That's controlled by uh, Assad and the Syrian regime, and uh, the uh, revolutionary areas that are run by the Hevals. Mm -hmm. um, in the Syrian regime area, there's two hospitals. In in our area, there's about five or six hospitals plus two newly built COVID hospitals. Um, and I've heard that there's another two being built on the way. And these have arrived very quickly in the last couple of years. Um, so actually. I don't know how many hospitals that means for a population of 300,000. What I do know is that when I went to a hospital in the middle of a COVID epidemic, I walked into an incredibly new um, foyer. It's it's an old hotel that they've converted to a hospital. Hotel, no? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh -huh. So there are yeah, there are um two new hospitals built being confirmed. One is for um fire burns and the other one is specific to hands and uh legs, feet. Mm -hmm. Um and one of the other hospitals I've noticed is an eye and heart hospital, Chadl yes. Adila. This is also a, a new hospital as well. Uh -huh. Yeah, so they're making professorship pro, pro, limbs. I don't know how to say it. How do you say Prof that word? Professorships, professorships. Prosthetics. Prosthetics, prosthetics, I thought they were appointing professors, <laughs> but prosthetics, they're making artificial prosthetics, yeah, it's the way to go. Yeah, as you uh, no doubt guess, mm. there's a big demand for 
prosthetic yeah. prosthetic stuff. Yeah, and I assume um, 3D printing is big on their horizon, it would be, for prosthetics. Absolutely. Because that makes yeah, it easy. Yeah. 3D printers and stuff to... Because um, it's a fact of war. A lot of people lose limbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is another thing about health. You know, there's a lot of uh, people with disabilities, I think is the correct way of saying yes. it. Yes, yes. Everywhere, you know. Um, and there's there's very nice places called Malagazi, uh, which are mansions. You know, they're, they're, I've been inside to go to parties and say hello to um, the people with disabilities living there. And I mean, it's it's very very plush. They get these very nice places, and there's a lot of respect for these people and the uh, sacrifice they've made to protect the uh, society here. Um, and Malagazi, of course, are very active in the revolution as well so they're, they're a huge part of society and um building the ideology and protecting the revolution still and it's really really nice to see the way people uh interact be- with people with disabilities here it's it's um yeah a really good culture around that so so they're not they're not shunted aside no not at all they're, but- they're welcomed in as people who've of really made uh, impressive sacrifices and are, are really encouraged to continue mm. being part of building the society you know so it's 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 a good atmosphere so when when you went in what type of um, facilities were you able to use in terms of making a diagnosis and did you actually were you actually admitted or did you what well, were sent home i was admitted for no, yeah, I was in hospital for two weeks. Two weeks. And yeah, at first, um, Lina Khoshani, Chawe Markine, or Doctorin Chidizanin Chawe. So I got in, and I mean, I'll, I'll send a picture through to you actually, because I took some pictures while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very plush. I mean, for it's. Think an extremely expensive private hospital in in England. Um, so it's very the, the architecture on the outside is very very nice. The entrance hall. There were no other. Uh, I don't know. No other patients. I was what? the only one. You were the only patient. I was the only patient in the entrance <laughs> hall, and there was two or three doctors there. And yes. these machines leap up and down and spray you with disinfectant as you're going in. Yes. Um, it's all, it's also incredibly high tech and this there was this kind of zoomy very nice new x-ray machine that kind of moves around yeah, yeah. and comes up yeah. and 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 then chest x-ray of me obviously because they're concerned yeah. that i might have corona yeah. um and the doctors and the nurses and there's a lot of nurses there were about five nurses here they they had beds in the entrance hall all empty mm. um and they, they immediately started doing tests and they had a lab where the, the blood goes off to and it was back in like half an hour, an hour mm-hmm. um, with lots of analysis of what might be wrong. They already from that knew that I didn't have corona and they took some, some more blood and sent that off for some another, another test to try and investigate what I had. Um, and I talked to the doctors and this is interesting because of our past discussions, they all had uh, many years of university education, um, sometimes in Damascus, sometimes in other places, but they were all incredibly well qualified. And the nurses too, you know, um, in this in this particular hospital. It may vary between hospitals, but my, my experience of this one. So and I was in the I was in the bed in the foyer for about five hours. Um, and then they moved me up. There's, I think, four floors to this hospital. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's an old hotel. Well, sorry, it's a new hotel, but they then converted. So everything is super clean. Everything is freshly painted. Uh, every room has a balcony with double glazed patio. Um, and you know, the, the air conditioning and heating. I mean, they had three different systems of heating and air conditioning in just my room alone. And I was by myself. Uh, the room next door only had one patient in. Uh, we were only on the third floor. So I think there was maybe another floor of beds as well. Hmm. Um, the beds were all like these configurable, bed, 
configurable beds that go up and down. And I was just amazed. And while I was there, the number of nurses who were coming in and chatting to me to make sure I was happy, not necessarily doing anything, like most of them weren't just doing it, they were just coming in every hour or so, different nurses and, and checking up on me and, and seeing how I was. And the funny thing is, um, and this is interesting as well, none of them spoke Kurdish. Everyone only spoke Arabic, and I don't speak Arabic, so mm. we couldn't actually converse. Yet, they were sitting at the end of the bed for ages with little bits of English and, and little bits of translation on the phone just chatting to me to make sure I was happy. And like outside in the next room that I could see into as well, there were just mm. constant flow of nurses checking up and things like this. It was really... It really felt warm and friendly, and really being looked after. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy all this. I'm going to give you the million-dollar question. Look, if you were a tourist or somebody came to Australia on some type of work visa, and uh, we gave you two weeks of hospital, we would lump you with a beautiful bill at the end of it at about fifty to sixty grand, unless you had private insurance. So, tell us what it cost you. Uh, well, it was free. Let me just tell that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a citizen. <laughs> How long have you been there for? What, seven, eight months or a bit longer? How long have you been there? I've been here now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're not um, a citizen. You haven't got a passport. No. What's going on there? Free, free treatment. What's, what's, what's all this about? What are you trying to destroy positive culture or something? <laughs> They can't possibly organise a society with that sort of attitude. It's ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous. Uh, you should be paying through the nose. Well, yeah, let me just tell how Fair had the situation in Australia. So, um, Joga, con l'Australia, he get to touristi, Ejnubi, to which they were, to Nakwesh Dibi, to which Nakwesh Ani, which they do have, they was in Benji, has a dollar. Do have to do have to Benji has wow. a daughter. Uh, he get to another one, but uh, insurance, uh, to be the better, uh, company, who he get first take care. Oh, beginning. I'm just trying to explain insurance to a person. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you. In our culture, Shans. 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 yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't, 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 don't worry, don't worry about it. Don't pollute his mind, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to explain to him that this manages chance. Yeah. This was a word we were discussing because Hevelf had English. She's getting better. So, and so actually, what an insurance company is, they they take a smaller amount of money, hopefully, mm. and then if the chance is bad. They give out a big amount of money, and when I'm explaining this, I'm like, "This is insane! What, yes. <laughs> what earth is that? Uh, bad luck have to pay yeah. private companies money." That's right. It's like private. In, it's like uh, life insurance. I had life insurance when I had a young family, but when I got to 65, mm. the odds changed. The chances of me collecting were higher, so they cancel the life insurance. That's the way it works. <laughs> That's, that's not even <laughs> now, getting back to your situation, so does that mean everybody in the autonomous administration area has access to free healthcare? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Let me just double check that. Mm. Um, if, so, the Rojavete, the Anes, the Herkes, the Karim Bichin, Nakweshani, Bepere, so actually the Syrian regime hospitals are also completely free. Uh, if we remember the history of the Syrian regime, yes. the Syrian regime mm. was marked socialist. No? That's right. So actually um, they have a, um, a free healthcare ideology as well. Well, we have free health care in a public sector like in England, you know, for citizens, 
and permanent residence, mm. but not for anybody else. So if somebody turns up there that needs care and they're from an outside area, they would receive that care? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, we touched on this before, didn't mm. we? Because, yes. because it's not activist. This means that immigrants and people who study here and leave for Europe, we love them. They go with our best wishes. They come with our best wishes. We don't analyze them for their economic, mathematical worth as mm. a human being. Then mm. do that because we're not particularly interested in maximizing our production. So me as an immigrant here, I'm, I mean, incredibly welcome, uh, politically welcome, culturally welcome, and actually physically welcome as well as as you know I've said about the. Um, hospitals here. So so in terms of allocation of resources as far as health care is concerned, has each city or town, has it got a surrounding region they're responsible for or do people just crisscross the area and go to where they want to go? Well, I mean, there is sometimes when someone has a difficult illness, sickness, mm. they might go down to Damascus. Right. If there are facilities there. Now, there are military hospitals. Yes. Uh, Shahid uh, Habib, uh-huh. military. And this is only for military personnel. Um, if you turn up there without a military ID, it is difficult to get care. Um, the, the rules do get bent on that. So if there's a machine that is only in Shahid Habit, I've seen because a personal friend uh, went to there and we managed to get the rules bent so he could be treated. Um, obviously, these military hospitals are extremely well equipped because they deal with specific uh, war wound cases. Mm. So they, they have extremely good surgeries. Um, and sometimes that's necessary for people as well. Um, yeah. So I assume there's an emergency ambulance system. Is there an emergency response system? Is, an, is there such a thing exists yes. also? Yeah, there's ambulances. I don't know the word in Kurdish. Ambulance? Hmm. Say are ambulance. Okay, that's yeah, it's ambulance. So <laughs> I think that's because um, this is. Okay, so I see the ambulances zooming up and down in the countryside because I live in a village, mm-hmm. and sometimes when I'm driving in, the ambulances are uh, screaming past. Um, system uh, um, I don't, emergency, uh, system yeah. emergency here, yeah. uh, but ambulance. Ah, uh-huh. Ah, so we have the. Wow. So this is this throws into uh, light um, another aspect, um, culturally, politically, of uh, Anes, actually. The hospitals don't have ambulances. What they do is they ring Hevasor, which is the uh, Hevasor Akur. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red Cross. Right. Red Cross, yes. And they have an enormous fleet of ambulances, and they deal with it. Um, now, so is, is, is this is this their division of Red Cross, or is it, or is it an external yes. Red Cross that provides the no, no, ambulances? No. Yeah, it's very much the Kurdish internal division that calls itself Red Cross. Cross, right? Um, okay, good. All right. Have you have a sort of Kurds? You could have and you. Okay. Okay, so their money comes from two sources. It comes from large NGOs that are giving Hevasor uh, money for the various uh, facilities that they provide to the healthcare system here, but it also comes from the Rebebiri Hasar, which is the Heval's uh, structure who managed the uh, money, especially the money coming from the oil in Anis. Um And I've actually done work with Hevasor. Um, they're in an interesting position because you understand here there is the concept of formal and informal is very uh, different. Because we have no formally recognized, international recognized 
systems here, revolutionary systems anyway. Hebasod is not a formal NGO or organization. Yeah. 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 They want to become formal and internationally recognized, but they can't because it's, it's not accepted here. So it, uh, actually what happened is when I was working at Hebersword, I was actually improving their website um, for them. And the, the guy I was training to be able to do it for them, he visited Damascus yes. and the Syrian regime arrested him yes. for working for an informal health organization and then wanted thousands of dollars to release him. Right. Uh, and he's just he's a health worker for this this very important um organization now just because hevasor seems to be separate from the um uh, the hospitals sorry understand that um our concept of formal here and informal is different because of our democratic ideology the people are supposed to be able to get involved in everything. There's not supposed to be monopolies on everything. So the, the education, there's not supposed to be an organization that by itself decides the curriculum. People are supposed to be able to get involved and, and go and talk to schools off, off their own mind. You know, this is, this is part of the democracy that loads of groups are in all the different areas able to get involved in the whole political, economic and social scene without really needing to ask permission. So the fact that Heather saw a setup and is working with a healthcare system, the healthcare system is quite heterogeneous as well. You know, there's lots of people getting involved in healthcare in different ways. Um, and of course, getting money from the Hevals system to do all these things. So it's not, don't, please, uh, I mean, what I'm trying to say is don't look at it as the kind of the hospital is the official state thing. And this Hevasor is uh, like an NGO. It's not really like that. Everything is a little bit more fuzzy in terms of the people providing things. I hope I explained that. Well. Now, is there a coordinating body as far as healthcare is concerned, allocation of resources and where things are set up? Or do people just do it because it could could be you know may not be as efficient as it could be i'm just thinking is, is there a coordinating body that say if you want to set up a hospital you just set up a hospital or do you look at the needs that need to be met it's a good question let me pose that to her <laughs> Okay, so there is a general committee for health in Anes. There is also um, um a group but the do here as you will doctor yet the doctor doctor yet so there's also a doctor's union mm -hmm. now remember that the concept of union here is different as well it's a friendly thing um it works together with the other bodies uh because it has no reason not to you know they're not fighting for wages or or rights so much they do talk about that but they talk about that with their friends who are also all trying to organize these things as well so it's a much more symbiotic relationship between these two um if if uh whatever very hostile as you will tend to rusty uh yeah yeah oh tell um has a one lisa her nakhwashani chow chow resisting nakhwashani ji Committee here, you go. We keep running here or job, no? Share it here. Can I wash my regime? Negrito. Negrito is the same. Interesting. Ah. Let me. I wash my. 
girdi gazete komite temsilcisi bu av her mehcibin afacıydı o her damacık mina bir yarak dinuydu o gishiniz bu hamın afacıydı damacık so um this uh governing body and let's deconstruct the word governing here as well because it's important to do that um every month they have uh, they're a committee and they have a meeting with all five hospitals they all come together <coughs> and talk about healthcare um there are also decisions being made based as you say on coordinating healthcare um but it's important Hevelfer had says that because of the culture because people know each other the the way that these decisions um are made is very much more together uh, it's not he, he he doesn't like the idea that a decision comes from this committee board and comes down to the hospitals and they have to obey it it doesn't work like that uh the 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 culture means that people come together and the information friendship decisions and organization very much flows both ways and the decisions are also soft now so there was an, there was an interesting uh, difficulty again um so the doctors were charging 25000 suri pounds which is just for control for a, for a checkup right tam this to pinch hazard suri pound chika sebdor this is 10 dollars yep uh, eight mm -hmm. um and the um so these private doctor private no or doctor li nashwashan this is doctors in the hospitals right and the um the this committee of health said this is way way too expensive and it needs to be very very cheap to come for a checkup my bekarebu fishti ah so they wanted to change it to be free yeah uh, oh this was only a month ago wow mm. uh, so it's quite a recent uh, discussion that happened in the committee and so the everybody khasar this is this committee for tenderosti rajara said we want it to be free um the chawa checker uh got ko please mo doktor kunker aha u jibin checker aha ko namoshe please one half doctor uh -huh. so the, the committee came together and talked to all the doctors and said that it needs to be free and there was a very big meeting of doctors and the committee and the committee made the ideological case that this is this is not fair to the people and the doctors then made it free mm -hmm. um that but Chawa Bazor Piviste and the doctor and got okay come on so I mean this this was very much yeah, this was very much done in the Rojavan way, which is they talk and they talk about ideology and morality and society, and eventually the doctors agreed that it, it, they shouldn't be charging for it and they cancelled the fee generally. Right. You're listening to part of a 10-part series with the Civil 
Diplomacy Unit of the Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria. We're having a conversation with Tekerson, and uh, who is uh, a member of the Civil Diplomacy Unit. This is part of the 3CR Acting Up series. My name's Joseph Toscano, and the producer of this program is Kelly Whitworth. Do we have such other um, organising bodies, or, or, or uh, not organising, but uh, bodies which can actually uh, deal with coordination? Obviously, there'll be a, there'd be a military body. There's a health body. Is there an agricultural body? And there's a go on and on. Are there many of these uh, groups in the society that help to coordinate things across the uh, ANS? Yes, um, I mean the <clears throat> ANS is thousands of groups all doing different things and the concept of democracy here as i said is anti-monopoly we don't like monopoly but this is not just economic monopoly yeah i'm not talking about monopoly i'm talking about um being able to for an area of five million people being able to actually coordinate there are special coordinating bodies it doesn't mean they're monopolies but they actually help to coordinate the thousands of little organizations you're talking about in different fields of um, human endeavor well it has to be <clears throat> placed in a time and a place because these bodies arrive mm. and disappear yep and several arrive work together do different things in different areas, change, disappear all the time. So uh, when we say that, that there is a uh, health committee, that may change very quickly. The concept of democracy here is, is that in order to have democracy, the people need to have very few barriers to changing the political scene constantly. Mm. So setting up their new groups and stuff like this. If you want to go to a hospital, so if you want to go to a hospital, let's say there was the problem with the doctors, not um, charging for a checkup. If if you wake up in the morning and think, actually, I want to do something about this. In, in England, you can't. I mean, you can go to the coordinating body and wait five months for a, an appointment and say something that they will ignore. Um, but you can't get involved. Here, the idea is that you can get involved. You right. can go directly to the schools, to the universities, to the hospitals, and start talking to people. You can build uh, a group that wants to generally do that, and you can ask for resources. So, yes, there are coordinating bodies, but it would be a red... Do you say red herring also in Australian? Yeah, yeah. It would be a red herring to then uh, interpret that as the fixed final structure for society that we think is good. It's no. not at all. No. No. So, so let me just ask, because you mentioned farming body, and I'd actually ask, like to ask Kevin Ferrat if he knows anything about that, because it's, it's of interest to me as well. At first, I had a job. I had a committee, I had a committee, I Hishmendi Jibo so um there are coordinating bodies for um the agriculture um, at the moment and there are certain things that they do and certain things that they talk to people they talk to at the moment um, and there were two big problems in agricultural recently which is the last year 2021 actually 2020 there was very little rain 
So there was, there was huge problems for the farmers. They mostly grow wheat because it was uh, forced on them by law, by the Syrian regime, that the whole area must grow wheat. And uh, so these, these farmers come uh, together to discuss these things. Also, the Reverberi Khwaser, who is the, 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 the um, Hevals structure, they talk to the farmers a lot about the price of wheat. Um, and these negotiations are mer. Lisa. This is very important. Hevel uh, Ferhat keeps using the word "man." <clears throat> it means soft. So what, what I think he's saying here is these committees, when they talk to people, it's a soft discussion. They're not coming in with their own separate uh, decisions and coming in with authority and force. That's not acceptable here. They're, they're getting involved with the farmers in a soft way that has no time limit to, to it in terms of people navigating the morality. Because mm -hmm. everyone here, when you're a farmer, you have morality. You have politics. You're supposed to have morality in politics and you're supposed to talk to talk about it. And the discussions will be centered on morality and politics. Um, and I've been involved in some of these discussions, and people are sp supposed to be like this. We're supposed to have this capacity. So um, there was there was one time I remember because the Hevals were trying to encourage the farmers not to grow wheat, to grow other things for the independence of Rojava. Now the way they did it, and this was this information comes from my revolutionary education. Uh, Heval Shiar uh, talked about the the economy. He said, literally, what they did was actually go out into the countryside as uh, friends and ask the farmers what they thought. And in a soft way, nerm, this word nerm, um, open discussions with them about the possibility of them growing other stuff. And the Milton farmers said no, because wheat is very easy to grow. Um, it's, it's one of the most simple crops, and this is what Hedashar was saying. It's a very simple crop to grow. You don't have to do much work, and they couldn't be bothered. And other farmers, from a sense of morality and wanting to suddenly get involved in, the, in this, this incredible ideology that the friends were introducing them to, then said, okay, great, I, I actually want to become a full part of the revolution you know, actually bring me inside the revolution, the whole farm thing. So, I mean, huge range of responses, of course. And this is the thing that maybe is difficult for positivism people. It's heterogeneous because it's not a law and force thing down from above. When, when this committee for healthcare, when this committee for agriculture goes and talks to the people doing the work, lots of different things happen. But there's no time limit. So they keep and keep on talking. And sometimes things are broken. Sometimes things are inefficient. But of course, you know, we do, as, as you've rightly pointed out before, Joe, um, one of the key areas that we don't want efficiency is healthcare. You know, we want, we want exceptional surgeons. We want exceptional systems. Um, and of course, with all of this heterogeneous now soft discussions happen on is that efficient does it mean that the system will be splintered chaotic um what i would suggest is actually looking at it from an empirical point of view when you look at the healthcare in these very rich countries and then looking at the healthcare here it seems to be quite smooth here yeah well that's why i asked and you about your your personal experience because you experienced it firsthand you experienced both systems now in the last 15 minutes or so i'm uh, in, in this particular series i'm particularly interested in exploring the role of the hervals because it sounds like they're the glue and without that glue you wouldn't have an autonomous administration zone is Glue, design is glue. Okay. 
showing what you know, asked me cigarette packets and like and you can tell him you can tell him if he likes it he can use it it's i think i think i i mean i've been listening you know for 10 hours and to me yeah. it seems that without the havals um uh, not intervention but role you wouldn't have what you've got it's that simple absolutely no you've got it right there they are and your usage of the word blue is spot on um it's it's an ideological blue as well they're, they're everywhere in society these hevals you know and they're very welcome uh, one person said to me once you know you can trust a heval the reason is because they'll turn up with a rucksack and they'll leave with that rucksack mm. you know they're very devoted people uh, they don't want anything except to be this glue this is this is their ideological choice for their life is to actually um struggle and read and self-educate and self-criticize to try and to try and be this glue and this you know they, they talk about morality all the time when i i've mentioned the PYD meeting I went to in the community very early on in our discussions um, and there were three people that asked questions one was a farmer uh, who asked what he's supposed to do when he can't have more wells on his farmland because it's been banned to have too many wells because there's water shortage um, and there was a woman who said that her neighbors couldn't afford sugar but she was rich and she could afford sugar and what should she do and the Hevals were there, you know, these are people devoted to the revolution. And what they talked about was friendship, improve your friendship with the people around you. The farmer improves his friendship with the other farmers. And what this means is inevitably that they will collectivize their resources. They might not call it collectivization. They might just call it friendship and it might not really have any rules to it. But, you know, that's that's the Rajavan version of collectivization. It's very kind of informal mm. um, and very smooth in the way it works because it can change and, and grow all the time. Um, and the woman, of course, um, from the rich family, improve your friendship with the, the poor families around you. And of course, that means you share your sugar. You know, you don't do it mathematically. It's no. just mm. in the heart makes it. And this is what the friends talk about. It's It's always, they don't come with mathematics. So how they reject yeah, so how do you how do you become a friend? So to become a friend, uh, you have to go to a place called Kendil, which is in Bashur. Raste, no, I Bashur Kendil. Um it's in Bashur. Um Chawe Dema to Heaven Bibi. To Bichi Kendil. Jibo Rojek, Jibo Mehek, so yeah, you go to this place called Kendil, uh, which is you know, a traditional uh, place for the, the revolution, and um, you can stay as long as you want. There's systems of education, and uh, at the end, uh, you give an oath, no, to Bejiko as so You give an oath to the revolution that you will do what the revolution requires of you but when i say requires of course it's them again it's it's lots of people having discussions and slowly trying to allow decisions to come about so um yeah i mean but, but this also means that the revolution can ring you up and say we really need someone to uh go on to the uh, health committee mm. uh to uh talk about ideology more and then you grab your rucksack, off you go. Uh, they'll provide you with a car. You wander off and start making friends with all the people in the health committee. Um, you know, that might lead to the people in the health committee and the herals wanting to make two bodies or finding a new body that's um, coming up and trying to merge with them. All these sorts of things can happen. Um, but yeah, if you're a herald, you 
it's it's very important your education and talking about ideology and things. So how how long would it last? Or is it is it a, I mean the education is there is it a fixed period or it just depends on the individual? And do, and do, um, and do many people actually drop out? They just think it's just all too hard for them. Oh, I don't know about dropouts. That's an interesting question. Well, not everybody uh, is suited to that type of uh, lifestyle. You know, you may you may feel it. You you feel you can do it, but when you start and you realise the sacrifices you've got to make, you may not want to. Yeah. Pro- you may not want to pro- progress. You know. Democadro. De quasi besse, perché già non vi mette una quasi cadro per di care guarda, non una cadro per mettermi di per 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 di to change back from a cadro to a, a civilian. Right. Uh, they're not. They're not happy about it. Um, it's Rojava, though, so you can, you can yeah. do it. But there'll there'll be some complaining if you do do that. Um, yeah, and I've known internationals that have come here, become cadros, and actually gone back to Europe, you know, and not been a cadro anymore. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting the cadro system because when you become a cadro, you can't marry. Um, now, this is very interesting for women um, because you, you'll understand here that still the situation here for women is, is not uh, good. It's heterogeneous again, but it's, it's not good in terms of marriage and, and uh, rights in these areas. It's still progressing very fast, but it's coming from a very bad place, you know, so it's progressing right. very fast mm. uh, throughout the different cultures which have different characteristics. But a woman, if she becomes a cadro, she will no longer be forced to marry a man. So this has been a very, very good um, way of helping women uh, avoid those sorts of uh, oppressions that might be forced upon them. Right. Okay, that's, that's interesting. So that you do make, as a cadre, you make obviously certain personal sacrifices as far as um, because you believe or feel the contribution you can make is more important than your own personal um, what personal life because you know these, these are major decisions people make. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the capital system. They're called the Hebals for a reason. Mm. You know, when you're in a room with them, and as I mentioned before, not not wanting, no, I'm not trying to show off, but I've been in rooms with incredibly powerful people. Um, and the interesting thing there is, it's like just sitting around with your friends. Mm. You know, decisions decisions bubble to, to the top. But this word that Hebal Ferha uses is again there. They, they do make radically important decisions, but it's always with this incredible friendship because that is the ideological requirement of them that they're friendly. So they can't walk into somewhere and be all charismatic and think like other people because it's not friendly. No. Um, as a cadre, if you're accused of having bad ideology, that's a very serious ac- ac- accusation. Um, that's a very serious accusation if someone said this cadre is not being friendly that's wow you know Um, and so they're all incredibly sweet the men and the women are incredibly sweet from the cadres they don't so i don't want you to have the impression they turn up with their rucksack and start handing out orders it's the opposite yeah Yeah, well that's right that's what people would be thinking but um could you ask Ferrat, does he think there is a limit in terms of size that this system can work in, or does he think it, it could be limitless? Very interesting question. Yeah, scale, as you know, as you rightly spotted, there is a, a fundamental uh, positivistic characteristic of the whole thing, isn't it? So, uh, okay, on heart. Benj million kesheer the anis atas hegedikare billion dike system chowder dimesh the billion kes 
Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the next question. No, I will continue. Double. Why? In the Uh, <laughs> so, um, Eval Farhat says that it needs to grow slowly. Mm. Um, and what we see is it is growing slowly, of course, for one reason is that Kurdish people have an enormous number of children. <laughs> so, going from that point of view, but also people from the Syrian regime, and the Syrian regime is in, is in a terrible economic situation. People are starving things in Damascus. They see when they come here that it's a lot nicer. Mm. And even though we're poor, we've got better infrastructure and we're able to feed the people. And actually, work and life here is a lot uh, nicer to be in than the Syrian regime. So it is growing. So we will see it grow. I asked Hebel Ferhat, you know, if there's a billion people, what will that look like? And of course, we can't really answer that question. But it's democratic confederalism. It yeah. has heterogeneity. Yes. But as we've talked about today, there are these farming organizations which oversee, well, sorry, oversee, I should maybe say undersee uh, everything that's going on. But that's not written in stone. No. If it, if it, if it wants to splinter into lots of different groups looking at lots of different areas, that will happen in a natural, organic way. No. And natural and organic are two words that you'll hear here Constantly. It's the words used to describe the culture. It's the words used to describe decision-making. So it's the opposite of mathematical right. and structure. Well, look, we, we've run out of time, so I'd like to uh, thank uh, Ferhat and yourself for uh, what you've done. What we will do is this has gone out to uh, basically listeners in Melbourne. We'll package this and we'll as a series and we'll send it off for four triple z in brisbane which is another large city of about two million here in australia and uh, we'll be sending it to a number of um, other places for it to be um, played hopefully as a uh, series of 10. now the, the microphones are open you are welcome to contact us at any time if you feel you'd like to continue the discussion because it's a uh, it's useful uh, if you don't think it's useful well that's fine but uh, the microphone is open. If you wish to continue discussions next year, we can uh, organise uh, through uh, young Kelly here, who's the brains behind this. <laughs> Look, once again, I'd like to thank you very much for the, your time and the fact that the time difference means that you're up at six o'clock uh, to do the, uh, the, the conversation. And uh, hopefully it will bring uh, what you're doing there to the attention of the rest of the world it's you know the fact that it's a 10-hour series i think would give people an insight there has been a lot of interest here uh, uh, regarding the the conversations we've had and if you feel that um, they're useful we're quite happy to continue them next year in 2022 like they're useful um you know this we're revolutionaries mm. um and we, we, you know, we have the attitude that we must go forward with Australia. We're never going to be against Australia. We're never going to be invading and forcing anything. We have to talk with the people. And the people of Australia, um, you know, it has to be a two-way dialogue as well um, as the ideology develops because it's not a fixed one. Um, so we absolutely would like to continue. And we're here as well um, to talk a little bit more to some of the people who have listened and the questions that they've asked, that would also be very cool. All of this sort of organization, um, is not, is not just useful. I think it's really good fun as well. All right. Well, good fun and useful. You know, Emma Goldman used to say, I don't want to be part of your revolution if I can't dance. So you've uh, hit the nail on the head. It has to be good fun and useful. Thank you very much. And thank you to everybody in the autonomous zone. And, uh, 
you contact us next year when you're ready to restart. We will, we will. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.